Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 300 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for discovering Trek listeners. Fansets, our pins have character. Casey and Sarah here, and this is Discovering Trek Enterprise. Welcome to the First Frontier, everybody! The two of us are infiltrating yet another episode of Enterprise. This is the first full series watch-through for me, and it's a rewatch for Casey. What a trooper. Today we are assessing the episode Shadows of Pajem. This episode traveled over the airways into your TV unit about 20 years ago on February 6th, 2002. If you haven't watched this episode yet, we can't give you another couple of decades. Y'all had time, as in a lot of time. So if you don't want to be spoiled, go fire up Paramount Plus, Netflix, or Amazon Prime and watch the episode, then come back here, stat, and join us chatting about Shadows of Pajam. That's it. We hope you have enjoyed our non-warning spoiler warning. Hey, you know what? Before we get into Shadows of Pajim, we want to remind you that we want to hear from our listeners about everything Enterprise. So how can all of you get in touch with all of us with your thoughts on the first season of Star Trek Enterprise? You can't. There's nowhere. We've been taken off the web. We got in trouble. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) You. Bill. It was Bill. It's always Bill. (laughs) There are a bunch of ways you can do that you actually can still get in touch with us. Of course, you can go to trekgeeks.com slash contact and leave an email or a voice mail to get us your thoughts. On Twitter or Facebook, all you have to do is search for Discovering Trek and you can leave us a message there too. Mailing an Etch-A-Sketch is probably a disaster waiting to happen. So how about an easier way to rattle our cage? Leave us a voicemail by visiting our website at trekgeeks.com and click on that big red button. Just kidding, it's blue. It's still blue. Oh. Oh, almost had him. Remember She's that any <laughs> just click that X in the top right corner. And <laughs> that. I love that. Oh man. Remember that any comments you leave us might be used in a few future episode of Discovering Trek. Okay, enough of that. On to the pie chart. <laughs> I love that. Click the big X on the corner. <laughs> oh my god. Get out of there. Get out. Hi. How many slices no. are you giving this episode? Tell me. Um, I'm I'm giving it four slices. Okay. I it's a uh, for me, this is kind of a, a <sighs> meringue. So it's it's sweet. It's something that is semi-satisfying, but uh leaves me craving for more. How about you? I gave this five slices of marshmallow mermaid pie. I love this episode. Woo! Now, before we move on, what the heck is marshmallow mermaid pie? It is a reference to a pie made in a movie I love called Waitress, where she makes all types of pies. And so I was like, oh, I wonder what some of the funny names were. Because she had names like Lonely Chicago Pie or I Hate My Husband Pie. It's a cute (laughs) movie. And I was like, I'm going to put one of those in my in my recap for pie slices. So, yeah, five slices. I I was 
I watched this right after I watched the previous episode we discussed last time. And I found that this one, I was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to watch. I'm paying attention. This is good. I'm liking this. So there you go. Maybe it's also because I had the pressure of having to do my rhyme though. So I got to make sure I know what's going on in order to write write a rhyme. So it helps to know the episode when you're rhyming it. (laughs) Helps to know the episode. All right. Are you ready for said recap? Let me sit down. Let me hold on. Buckled in. All right. We are ready. All right. It starts with the tone. The Vulcans are mad. They do not like Archer. They don't think he's rad. Joint fleet operations for now are on pause. So the Admiral call Archer to discuss what's the cause. Jeff Kober is a guest star. He's such a fine bloke. And Tripp's not on this away mission. Psych, that's a joke. Archer gets some bad news. T'Pol is in trouble. They're sending a ship right now on the double. But she's part of my crew, is what Archer pleads, while Phlox wishes her well and applauds her good deeds. Archer and DePaul fly now to the planet, but soon they are captured. This is garbage, goddammit! Captain talks of Houdini, and they try to break free. They try to stand up, but fall hard like a tree. T'Pol tries to lie and make up a show, while Trip is so pissed for not being in the know. T'Pol's boobs fall into Archer, and I roll my eyes. That was so dumb. Am I right, all you guys? It gives Archer, Archer strength, and he does a back kick, but there were too many of them to get out real quick. The folks for T'Pol have showed up real early, and guess who's around? Andorians who are surly. Coombs is back, and he can't sleep a wink. It's because there's a debt to Archer, he thinks. The Andorians help with effort well fought, but before it's over, T'Pol does get shot. It's extensive, she's damaged, she can't leave the ship, but wasn't it really just a shot to the hip? Either way, Archer pleads, and it's likely she'll stay. She could chase after them, but can't leave sick bay. That is the episode, it sure was a blast. I hope that my poem didn't finish too fast. Holy moly, you are on fire. <laughs> I swear, I think... What we need to do is is make a book out of all of these, and your yours will be on the even pages, and all the odd pages of mine will just gently disappear because <laughs> yours are fantastic. <laughs> Holy shamuka! Thank you. I had fun with that one. That was great. That was great. Holy cow! It was a great episode. It was easy to write, except for the well, boobs in the face. Oh, oh come on. Well, We'll we'll get there, but I had a so, time. That after after that vocal eloquence, the what are you what would I mean? What are your thoughts on this episode, my friend? I was really happy to see the Andorians back. Jeffrey Coombs is great, and watching yes. him is a treat. And so yes. I am hungry for more of him. And I liked the way they brought him back and how they gave that character a bit of a, hey, guess what? We've seen him before. And there was, we we remembered something from a previous episode and we're bringing it forward. Look at us, look at us, we did it. I love it. More of that. You know what I yes. mean? Yes. And Jeff Kober is an, is an actor who I absolutely love. So seeing him guest star as the as the bad guy there, I was just excited for that. Um, he's He was, he was on, on Sons of Anarchy Beach. and yeah, he's done a Wasn't bunch of stuff. Okay. Um, and then Trip is in charge again, and he he never has a smooth uh, smooth <laughs> day at the day on the desk when he's when he's there. And um, I'm a little bit disappointed in the fact that there's just he just gets thrown into the seat and doesn't bother to do any like 
homework or like prepping because he's yelling at this planet like how come you didn't tell us there's a backstory how come you didn't ask if there was a backstory like you kind of have a responsibility too to maybe ask some probing questions before just dropping in on it but that's just that's just me as somebody who does a very thorough job before I go to a meeting where I'm acting for the director or acting for the manager right like so poor guy it's pretty funny oh his whole yeah Mm -hmm. it's like he's comfortable being an engineer I don't think he's very comfortable yeah. being in the center chair. <laughs> just, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Awkward. Just right? Yeah, a little okay. awkward. Okay. Uh, yeah, like this episode. Um, kind of very interesting, you know, getting uh, geopolitical. And yeah. di- diving into... Hey, who are who are who are bad guys? Who are good guys? Who are being oppressed? Who are doing the oppressing? Uh, outside influences by Vulcans, you know, the Andorians not trusting anyone mm-hmm. at all. Uh, how about like at the beginning? Boy, the, all the Vulcans, all of them, so far, seem to be just jackasses. You know what, Gary Graham? Shame on you. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I'm talking about the actor personally. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> he was, yeah, was like, no. He's great. He's so great because he just plays a guy that you're like, oh man, I just want to smack him like upside the head. Yeah. And it's same with Vaughn Armstrong. It's just like, how dare you, Vaughn? Because stand up for more, you know, like I want these two, like just I want almost more emotion from them i want i want them punching and fighting i want that vulcan to lose all of his control um because it's it's there is enough of that emotion that's supposed to be there so it's kind of like it's very i think you've been saying before previously like that it's very 90s like 80s like mm-hmm. i think there's room for some more grit because you have yes such amazing actors yeah if you're gonna be the odd couple there in in a scene <laughs> be the odd couple yeah bro Throw some damn insults at each other and yeah. be like, I'm at my wits end with you. Yeah, it's like, drink to the you face. Guys, you guys are supposed <laughs> to be logical. You're supposed to see this, but you're spying, you're hiding crap, and then you're crying about yep. that you got caught and, and all that. And of like, oh, oh I know. It's, it's okay. good, though. It's good, it though, is. because that's part of the frustration, I think, that I would feel in real life if I dealt with Vulcans. Um, Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not a very overly emotional person. I'm I'm usually pretty pretty in control, pretty level. But there's times when it warrants a strong reaction. And if you were dealing with people who didn't give you that those moments, I would be like, "Come on, give me something." I'd be shaking them, like, "Just give me, yell at me, be angry about this, be passionate about this." And they're just like, "That is illogical." I'd be like, um, "So is this just to your face? Like, I'm done." <laughs> I think you're emotional. I've seen you when you think we're done recording and you're crying in frustration from my <laughs> uh, rhyming. And uh, I, I go, oh, she got, she going to kill me. <laughs> These are lies. Horrible lies. <laughs> I never lie. I want everyone to infiltrate his Twitter right now telling him to stop lying. Oh. Use as many gifts as you can find. Um, <laughs> I think that this was yet again another fabulous episode all about the growth of T'Pol. They should just change mm-hmm. the show to Star Trek T'Pol because she's mm. getting more than anybody 
which is, it is what it is. I'm not complaining. I like it. I think this was a great episode for her. And I think it was a great bonding again for her and Archer. And mm-hmm. I, yep. um, I enjoy her character much more than I ever anticipated I would. I, I hear you. I think there's a definite, and especially after the previous episode, Sleeping Dogs, I think there's a definite, you see the arc, you're, you're starting to see her arc. The growth chart is happening. And, you know, her, just like the very quick thinking on the planet that she's the captain and Archer's, you know, a steward. And, you know, she's going to be out of there soon, but she's protecting him. And and going, that, that's being a member of the crew and not on some, hey, this is a, a temporary assignment. That, I was like, oh, that sly dog, way to go. And I was just hoping Archer would just keep his stupid mouth shut and not blow the plan. Yeah. And I think it says a lot about um, Jolene's acting ability too, because even though her character is supposed to be, you know, emotions in check, the Mm -hmm. facial, you just, you know, she's upset about having to leave. And Mm -hmm. she conveys that so well without saying it. And it, I wish there was more Jolene out there. Like I, I haven't really explored much about some of her other acting credits, but she's so good in this. And I just, I kind of have a bit of a hunger now to go looking to see what else she's done because she's very, for what it feels to me, they tried to, they tried to make her the bimbo hot seven of nine Vulcan, you know, perfect figure tromping around in little outfits once in a while sex pot, but Uh she, she, no, like it's like almost that her acting is so subtle and so good that it's like, I'm not going to be just a standing thing to look at. Like she's got so much depth and that's, that's part of the writing and that's a lot of her. And I think that she's so good in this role and I'm, yeah, I just, I just was, I'm so surprised by how much I love her, the character and the actress's portrayal of it. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, I, you know, for a while I was like, oh, okay, there's, there's the pretty face. That's the, the actor they're bringing in to get the 14 year old boys to watch this show. Okay. And then like when, when scenes like when she and Archer are talking and he's all, Hey, you're, you know, they're coming to get you, bring reassigned. She barely blinks at all. I mean, I was looking, I was really looking and it's like this and I go, you know, it was that, I hope, a conscious decision on her part of, I'm not going to give anything away. I'm going to keep my the outside facade as much as possible. And I thought being even a little more stoic than normal, because like you said, there are issues, feelings, thoughts going on back there that she's like, I, I'm, uh, I'm not letting this come out. I'm strong on here. But those mother effers really... Yes. Okay, so I take the fall for crap that you all did, and you you can't accept it. Yeah. Um, and when she's talking with flocks, uh, flocks stealing more food, do not eat celery around that man because <laughs> it's gone. He just comes out. Oh, thank you. But you know when they're talking, and and once again, it's like she's saying, "Oh, I I don't have a different assignment." And he's like, "Well, I thought you'd be promoted." And it's like you've been here 
six months. No other, no other Vulcan assigned to any type of Starfleet vessel or has lasted, what I think he said, more than a, a few weeks. He's done six months. So there's something obviously different about this individual. Yeah. And, you know, let, let's, let's be involved in that. Let's see that. Let's uh, experience that growth. And then I start, and I mean, you nailed it on the head. I keep thinking, you know, this, this show is not about Archer. This show is about T'Pol. Really, and mm-hmm. it's like I—I I think there might have been an, a nice little. Uh, hey, we'll we'll give the execs what they want. You know, okay, if they want some white guy being the captain. Okay, fine. You know, oh, he's this and stuff. But mm-hmm. <laughs> from what's happening lately, it's like, you know, what we're really doing is we're really telling her story, not Archer's story, and that's much more intriguing to me. Okay, I can dig it. Well, and it makes perfect sense to me because anybody coming into the show has had decades upon decades of Star Trek to watch where it's always been the perspective of Starfleet. And so here we are at the birth of Starfleet. Why not get the perspective of somebody who's kind of been thrown into the mix and being like, oh, here, what what are these ridiculous Mm -hmm. humans up to? I think it's great. Absolutely. And then, hey, Jeffrey Coombs again. (sighs) Ah, love right? him. Love him. And, and I was like, oh, just how couldn't there just have been more scenes with like him <laughs> and to Paul? Like, let's, if, just, let's do that. I, totally. I want to see that. I think the last scene of the episode should have been him falling asleep with a smile on his face because he can finally sleep because <laughs> <laughs> his debt has been paid or whatever. He is, he is so ticked off and anxious that he owes a pink skin Mm -hmm. anything and just goes okay enough yeah now i know that you've been really strict with spoilers for me because you want me to enjoy but i'm one of those people who i sometimes i need spoilers to be inspired to actually want to keep watching this show please tell me we get more jeffrey coombs 100%. 100%. And would we get him throughout the series or just the season? Throughout the series. Yes, that's all I needed to know. Because right, he's great. <laughs> and that's the kind of stuff that I like right? to hear because that keeps me wanting to watch because this is a storyline now that I'm 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 into. I really enjoyed the first episode, the Andorian incident. I really I really mm-hmm. liked that and I really liked this and so that's it's no different than Deep Space 9. I struggled with the show the first time I watched it. It was okay. Oh, here's Worf. Oh, something you're familiar. You're trying to pull the TNG crowd in that haven't latched on. Oh, okay, this is good. And then you get the Dominion War. And then you get Jeffrey Coombs. Easy Biggs. Like these great Mm. characters. And it's like, oh, you're Mm going to spoon feed me this for the next couple of seasons? I'm in. There you go. Coombs, like wherever he is, if if there's going to be a Coombs flick on Joe Bob Briggs, I watch it. Mm-hmm. If he's going to be a guest on something, it's like, okay, yeah, I, absolutely. I will. I will do that completely. So, yes, you have you have things to look forward to. Yay. I'm not going to go any deeper than that. But um, I, I mean, this is a high pedestal. But it's like he can do no wrong, and just milks every great opportunity 
out of the characters, you know, that he's given. That's that's Wonder Wonder. Just another with you know the passion of actors of of yeah. Are you really into what you're doing? Are you there for the paycheck? Are you kind of into it, or are you just giving it all your all? You know, in this in this episode, it, it you know we're we're world building again. We're calling back on certain things. We are. Uh, I mean, <laughs> he gets more character development than the series regular. So to fall, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then yeah. like, and I was fine with it. I was more than fine with that. Yeah. Completely. Like we uh, still haven't seen anything out of Mayweather in the last few episodes, except that he was like, Oh, a siren's call. Like that's it. Like he's got nothing. And it's just making me they, mad. Yeah. <laughs> they give him. Uh, yeah. Like, like you're saying that, that line, I was just, he's, he's, you know, he, well, he's not a child. Okay. He's, he's not Wesley. Stop treating him like Wesley. Right. Uh, this is, this is a grown man. Uh, another thing that I, I really liked for a, a television budget, it was kind of, you know, that compound set. It allowed for some, you know, pretty cool camera moves. Uh, for a civilization that has billions, we met, you know, four or five, like, okay. Uh, the, <laughs> the Vulcans coming down with their little commando group of three, <laughs> which I, I, I was like, <laughs> I found interesting. I'm like, okay. But uh, kind of, kind of a ambitious episode. I mean, that, that's a lot of makeups being done for aliens and you know a new big set to use and enough umph or stuff for all of the actors to get involved in and then you know uh what do you what do you think that like a uh, plate of porridge was that just cold oatmeal oatmeal that they had to eat yeah. take after take I, yeah so gross. I felt like this could have almost been a two-parter episode. I think it should have. Give it even more meat and potatoes. Yeah, but a really good cliffhanger, you know? Kind of right. a mid-season best of both worlds you type thing. You could have had a lot yeah. of... Although that was a series. You could have had ending, a lot but, of political yeah, stuff going on through the first part, first episode, and then Coom shows up right at the end of episode one of I'm sick mm-hmm. and tired of having a debt. I'm here. I'm going to help you get your captain and first officer, uh, science officer, yep. pardon me. And then, yeah, the second part is that. That would have, that, that could have been kind of cool. Uh, you know what else could have been kind of cool? Did you like that? No. <laughs> she's shaking. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, shaking the head. No. So I'll never do. Oh, now she's giving me the thumbs down and one finger. I won't tell you which one it is. Oh, there. <laughs> no, she's not. Oh, but discovering Trek listeners, we are going to talk about fan sets right now because we want to thank our friends over at Fansets for being the exclusive sponsor on Discovering Trek. The Fansets crew are constantly working to put out the best product available and come up with new designs and product releases. There are more wonderful new products out right this very second. There's, of course, all the character pins, the cool Trek emoji pins, pins from all the Trek series, 
Delta pins and full-size and minis, Picard pens, and of course some amazing non-Trek items like Scooby-Doo, Xenoscope, Harry Potter character pins, and the Big Bang Theory. There are literally hundreds of pins and accessories for you at fansets.com, so right after listening to us, go to fansets.com, scroll along all the amazing pins offered, load up your cart, and enter the special code word DISCOVERINGTREK, in all caps, no spaces, at checkout for an amazing 10% off your entire order. And hey, don't forget, if you're in the U.S. and spend more than $30, you will also get free shipping. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. <laughs> Classic. Hey. <laughs> What's I that? smell something from the commissary. Oh, it's a big, super cheesy lasagna with ground beef seasoned with all your favorite mm, spices. That sounds really good. Once again, note <laughs> yeah, note to self, lasagna. eat much more before we record. <laughs> all right. I want another breakfast. I'm ready oh, for second breakfast. Are we having a hobbit day today? Second breakfast? Mm, with mm, potatoes. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> what have you got for me you got, got lots comments. of comments here i'm i'm, I'm just gonna sit oh, back and let okay, you talk my friend uh so i watched this on paramount plus then i watched it on i uh, bought the blu-rays so there was a commentary track on this episode and this this episode Ooh. was written by phyllis strong and mike sussman both of them had written for voyager for a while also, and then for Enterprise, and they had some, you know, interesting comments because not only then did they write, but then they also ended up being uh, producers on Enterprise as well. So things that were very interesting. Uh, they talked about how 9/11 changed the show and threw it into a war footing. So there were other possible stories or storylines that they might have gone into. But because of everything going on and, and the climate in the U.S. that they got into this war footing earlier than anticipated for the series. They were talking hmm. about how, you know, Trek addresses geopolitical events and that they said that you, you start to see elements of that in this episode and that those elements will run uh, for a while. I'm not being specific so that I don't spoil anything for you. Masara. Spoil, spoil, we, spoil. Quote, touched on this earlier. The writers proclaimed the boobs to the face was not their idea. They were asked to put it into the episode. And uh, the writer Sussman goes, Was it a little too cheap? It might have been. It absolutely was. So oh, yeah. I think this was a Berman Braga, if they were asked to put it in, of, Hey, you know what? Do this. And it, it would be really fun. You know, it would just be the cutest thing ever. Yeah. No, just demeaning it it's, and it's pointless. It's like, really? Uh, it's, tacky it's tacky as hell. And like thinking of if you're trying to attract the, the young men to watch this show, wouldn't they be just going over and reading Maxim anyways? And, you know, that type yeah. of stuff. And so... I, I'm glad the writers addressed this. Um, I they mm -hmm. did their audio commentary. I think it was at least ten years after the show. 
So they weren't stuck politically with this, but they were still, from my point of view, kind of gingerly walking around this issue because mm. they even say, well, you know, it it was well executed, but it, like, no, it's a it's a it's a crap idea from my point of view, and something that just I feel for both actors having to do that that scene. It just cheapened yeah. both of them. It's just such a s- example of how things have changed so much because we're in a culture now that is very, very politically correct and sometimes almost too much in the sense that some people are being slaughtered online for no reason because they're just trying to have their own personal opinion about something that's not mm-hmm. controversial, but that's a whole other story and podcast. But it's things like these and it's and it's and it's racist jokes and it's racist stereotypes and it's stuff that actors from the 80s and 90s are seeing now and like cringing because they're like, oh man, like that would never fly today. There's so many shows that were made that jokes and and things would just never happen and that to me is an example of one that unless you're doing a slapstick physical comedy show and this kind of stuff happens all the time it's it's cheap yeah i mean i see it's demeaning two two older white dudes who are in charge of a show i mean i just go straight to that Mm -hmm. because there's certain things i go i i don't see certain things as being politically correct i go you're you're not the butt of the joke you're, you're, you know, this wasn't like, hey, Archer's almost out of the restraints and trips himself on the foot restraints and falls on his ass or, you know, face down first by himself. It was, oh, <laughs> wouldn't this be clever? Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll sneak in a little TNA by doing this. And it's not, it's not clever. It's like you're clubbed over the head with something. And then that's where I get insulted to go, you know, I'm not that stupid. And, and honestly, if mm-hmm. you think teenage kids watching this are that stupid, then you've lost touch as well. Cause they know exactly what's going on there. The, uh, mm-hmm. the writers also talked about, you know, strong and Sussman said there was something that they wanted to do for the far future of this series and that, you know, why, why is T'Pol special? How is this Vulcan, when there's been other Vulcans put on ships that haven't last long, but how, how did this Vulcan be able to do it? And they revealed something that didn't come to pass, but they were considering is T'Pol half Romulan. Ooh, right? that would have mm-hmm. been interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of... Uh, does she know? Does she not know? Most likely doesn't know. And, you know, is uh, daddy a spy or an exile or, or, or? And I thought, boy, that could have opened up opportunities deep in the character. But yeah, is it necessary? But I also think that there's so much. No, it's not. Because I think that there's so much potential for someone to really dive into the culture that is Vulcan. I mean, if you suppress yourself with under the guise of religion or whatever, there's always going to be people who beat, go to Mm -hmm. the beat of a different drum. And there's always going to, that's what society is. There's, you and me, we're very different people, but we're both humans. And there's going to be no difference in Vulcan. There's going to be those that 
have more of a creative mind than the more of the science mind, whether they're oppressing their emotions or not, there's going to be just difference of opinions and difference of upbringing. And I think that it's okay for her to be different. Mm -hmm. And I think that they should have played on that even more or, or just, I don't know. The Vulcans are so interesting. I was never a big fan of the Vulcan characters like they're fine but i've like other species so much more like i've always been like i like the bad guys i like the borg i like the cardassians Mm -hmm. i find them just really interesting but there would be there would be a lot of cool things to explore in a world that is like vulcan and the dangers that can come from it and the history about how they used to be and how they've changed like it's it's got so much potential for a really good in-depth yeah anthropology psychology all of it like just there's yeah there's a a, a ton of stuff and oh boy uh being set a hundred years before tos gives you a lot of leeway to where characters can be very much like they were in tos or very different and maybe even flip-flop during those 100 years i mean society changes a lot I mean, I, I think about like certain TV shows, what I think is 80s, early 90s, stuff like NYPD Blue on network television, like showing bare butts, all right? Side boob, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, a, a naked dude from behind walking into a shower and you're like going, holy moly. And then stuff changes where, you know, thing, things tighten up. And it's like, oh, they don't show it. A hundred years ago, it was the Roaring Twenties. Is it that bizarre? I mean, how different was the world a hundred years ago? Massive. How different? Massive. And and with the technological advancements we're making now, imagine then being in the future. So it's like, instead, there's there's not a window of 10 years or five years. It's like two years, one year, where things are just Mm -hmm. progressing like crazy mm-hmm. and <laughs> there's gonna be huge change oh yeah a uh, hundred years from now if the planet hasn't been blown up by our own stupidity things are going to be unrecognizable oh, oh yeah it's it's nuts to think about what might happen and what's coming up and then and that's when i go boy i he- hope after i die there's some kind of way where I can see, yeah, see what Observe. the hell is going on. Popcorn. Yeah, like, okay. <laughs> I, of, you know, yeah. I might not have a mouth or eyes or whatever. So the popcorn's just hitting my face, but of just to mm. be able to see everything that's going on. Um, and it was interesting to hear these, these writers that had come from Voyager. They weren't on Voyager the entire time. This goes back to the writer's room kind of being divided of people who had already written Trek and then bringing in people who are new to try different things and uh, the very different tonal changes that go on. And and you can kind of really Mm -hmm. tell that things are written by different people and people that have different backgrounds of genres. Interesting. Hello? I like that. That's actually some really good little bit of back information that makes a great episode even more interesting because um, I, I think it's important to kind of get that perspective of those that were there. It's, it is. It's cool. For sure. And it's, I think, cool to hear them 
not recording their commentaries immediately after because they there's I think they're a little free of hey I'm not worried about having the same gig next year so I can say yeah. if I thought this was well done or not yeah. totally yeah I like it we did it we ate all of our food nom, 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 we nom, finished nom, up nom, our nom, plates nom. of slop <laughs> that concludes our coverage on this episode shadows of the gem we will be back next time to discuss shuttle pod one as we continue to celebrate the 20th anniversary year of enterprise until then remember you can subscribe to discovering trek by searching for us on apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, or by heading to discoveringtrek.com. you can find us on twitter at discovering trek if you're enjoying what we're doing here on discovering trek and the trek geeks podcast network please consider supporting us on patreon as a subscriber, you can get access to the unedited recordings, which you would have heard me just mess up, as well as exclusive content and great subscriber rewards, like our annual supporters pin from Fansets and our exclusive Trek Geeks Podcast Network t-shirt. We would like to take a moment to recognize the following amazing producers of Discovering Trek. Thank you, producers, for all your support. And you are Mike Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Leon Marchand, Matt McGonagall, Jim McMahon, Darren McCaff, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Chris Tabuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and Jess Vashon. The senior producer of Discovering Trek is Jude Tapman. You'd like to become a producer of Discovering Trek or get access to the radio for Discovering Trek so you can hear Casey screw up. <laughs> Head over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. Because our debt, but not bar debt, is paid in full, who to be mo? Hey, uh... Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. <laughs>